Welcome, everybody. We have a very special guest in studio today. Instead of convening the regular pop culture panel like we always do to talk about, you know, what color Beyonce's hair is or what Justin Bieber's up to this week, we just have one guest, but what a guest. Eric Roberts is here. Uh, you know Eric Roberts from Star 80, from Runaway Train, from uh, so many movies that in the Pope of Greenwich Village, which I have to ask you about because I was obsessed with that movie and remain so. What a uh, nice intro. Thank you. But you know what? At all the airports I'm at these days, and I'm always in an airport, yep. I always hear, we love those doctor movies. Yep. Yep. It was it was it was supposed to be just one. We're 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 just about to make a fourth. And they're so popular, it's unbelievable. And I don't play a nice man. I know. Well, you know what? I well, I wonder what that is. Is it is it your personality coming through? And they go, "We just love watching him, even when you're bad or if you're playing good." What is it? Do you think? I don't have an answer for you, but I think it might be the titillation of uh, a bad guy who's not that bad. Right. Maybe, maybe I could help him. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, you've got a new movie uh, in theaters this weekend. It's called Never Saw It Coming, based on a novel by our good pal, Linwood Barkley. Linwood Barkley. Yeah. I mean, Linwood uh, is is a big deal here. I know. <laughs> I know. I was told by everybody I meet. Yeah. I don't know his work except this movie, so everybody's mad at me. Well, you've got some reading to do. I know. Sir. I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll talk all about uh, Never Saw It Coming a little bit later on. I want to go back, though. A little ways now, quite a sure, ways. Sure. Uh, your parents were actors, and I, no, they weren't. Well, they were stage uh, actors, were they not? No, they weren't. No, uh, my father was a writer. Yeah. And my mom was a mom who helped help my father run a theater school for a while. Well, that's I guess where yeah. the where my confusion comes from. But actors, they were not. Um, so the the theater school though that was the actors and writers workshop. That's what it was called. Yeah. Yeah, and and tell me what that was all about. That started in 1963. My uh, father, um, uh, uh, he was he was very disappointed in the in the local theater in Atlanta, and all over the southeast, really. Yeah. But in Atlanta, since and that was the at the time the heart of the South, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so he decided he was gonna he was gonna open up open up a school and help and help young people you know become actors you know, before it wasn't too late and they had bad habits so uh any any love any love young writers yeah so that's why i opened the school and uh we were we were funded um by the uh, the martin luther king foundation and my uh, father um patterned in the school after after Joe Papp's theater and that we had a showmobile so we toured the underprivileged areas all week and we had a theater in the park on the weekends in Piedmont Park this great big park in Atlanta and we had a theater in the park the Owen brothers would uh, would play on my dad's you know showmobile every Friday and Saturday really? night really uh, sometimes yeah uh, <laughs> uh, happened uh, two summers like that and uh and uh, yeah, it, it was it was how I grew up. Tell me about growing up in that w with that kind of thing going on. I mean, lots of us have an interest in the arts. Lots of us think, oh, maybe one day I could be an actor. And then you get sidelined by life and whatever else, and you end up being a dentist. Not that there's anything wrong with being a dentist, but if you had if you had uh, hopes and dreams, and it sounds like you were kind of immersed in it. I was very lucky uh, from the time I was. Four years old, I did my first play, and from and from that point on, I did six to eight plays every year of my life, and uh, just had fun. And I realized at about eight years old, I'm kind of good at this. Yeah. And then at about 
12 years old, I'm good at this. And then at about, you know, you know, 14 years old, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. What was it that made you say, I'm good at this? Um, moving people in the audience, yeah. hearing people laugh, hearing people cry. I, 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 um, I played a role very early. Um, what was the character's name? I think his name was Henry, but I might be wrong. Uh, but it was in the in the in the play member of the wedding mm. you know there's a young your frankie the uh, the 14 uh, year old girl and then there's six or eight year old henry i don't remember his name okay. i think it might be henry but anyway uh when i played that part and i heard people cry when i had this scene with her uh i realized wow this is powerful stuff even at eight years old you you realized that it was the thing that you were doing that was moving these people. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I could move them, and it was exciting. Does it still feel that way? Do you oh, still feel that way? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm still doing this, dude. Uh, I, I have I have a rich wife. I could be fat, but but uh, no no uh, I uh, no no. That's why that's why I do this. It it actually gets me out of bed in the morning, and I would like to take one 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 a second here to sure. have a moment of. Silence for Aretha Franklin. We just lost her, we, and we, I'd like to to just have one one little one one little five second silence for Aretha. We all loved her so much. I know, I know. Uh, I, did you ever see her perform? Oh no, except on TV, yeah, of course. Yeah, but yeah. no, but but not live. No, no. It, you know, imagine someone, and you know, the day it, in, in transparency, the day that we're taping this, we, we've just found out that Aretha Franklin has passed away, and I'm right. in conversation with Eric Roberts. His new movie is called Never Saw Coming in theaters this weekend. Uh, we've just found out this will air on Saturday, so we're a couple, we'll be a couple of days removed by the time people hear this conversation. Uh, but imagine someone who was that famous for that long, she got famous when she was a teenager. I mean, this is uh, someone who, for many of us, has just been a presence in our lives for the entirety years. of our lives. Yeah, sixty years. Yeah, yeah. it's really something. Yeah, she uh, was apparently offered a contract at Motown, and they weren't big enough yet. That's how long she's been around. <laughs> <laughs> Motown bunch of thieves, anyway. She's uh, she's probably lucky. So. Um, Going up in the theater like that, when you were working in front of a live audience, did you feel um, that you would take the next step and do uh, film and television, or did, did were you very happy in front of an audience? I had my Academy Award speech ready at eight years old, so <laughs> so that's how much I wanted to uh, to be a movie star, and uh, being a movie star is probably one of the three greatest things anybody could possibly pick to be in the world. Really? It is more fun than 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 the Southeastern Fair. It's just fantastic. <laughs> and uh because you're you're like welcome everywhere. Yep. And even if you play bad guys, even mm -hmm. if you're famous you're for bad guys, which I am, you're uh, you're welcome everywhere and you eat a lot for free. It's very nice. And people send you clothes. And people send me clothes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing, I don't know if you if you watched it, but Paul McCartney and James Corden released a video a little while ago with Paul McCartney going back to Liverpool. I know. And I know the video. Yeah. And this video, I'm watching this thing, and I'm thinking, imagine what it's like to be Paul McCartney. He's like Santa Claus. Everywhere he goes, people are thrilled to see him. You're exactly right. I know two women, who I will leave nameless, yep. who were his... His like girlfriends, both right, of them. Right. One, one, one for a long time, one for a short time, and uh, 
everywhere he goes, yeah. he is this an overused word, so I I, I don't want to get in trouble, but he's God. Yeah. He's it. And uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine being that? He's 74 years old, <laughs> and he's still a Beatle, dude. He will always be the Beatle, Paul McCartney. So cool. Well, your acting on television career started with Another World. and No, it started, no, much, earlier. Young in the... it started much earlier than that. It really? started, let me see, it started 15 years earlier than that. Really? Okay, well, that... It that... started on a local TV series uh... in Atlanta, Georgia called Bum Bum and His Buddies on Channel 11. It was called WQXI back in those days. And uh, it was on a dead-end street right in the middle of Atlanta where uh, Peachtree and West Peachtree converge. But, um, and... Uh, <clears throat> And uh, we would do a like a different half-hour drama every week, and uh, that's when I got my first Jim Critics Award was for a thing called The Little Pioneers, based on a true story from a, from a newspaper article about three little kids in like 1898 who were left at home alone while 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 their dad went to town to uh, to sell the cow, and uh, three drunk Indians wandered up on their property. And the and the little children thought they were being attacked, and they freaked out. They closed the doors and opened the windows, and they got Dad's rifle out with one bullet in it, and they shot at an Indian, but they missed him, of course. And uh, it was and so it was it was a newspaper article, and I played the uh, the uh, the the youngest of the three kids, who was a little crippled boy named Richard, and I won a critics award for it. So, wow! So, and uh, is there videotape? Is that does this exist anywhere? You know, I don't know. You know, yeah. the only way to go after that, I think, would be to call that TV station, yeah. Channel Eleven in Atlanta, and say, "By chance, do you have any <laughs> have any tape left from 1963?" <laughs> and see what they said. And well, when you when you stepped into the world of soap operas, though, it was the the first maybe national exposure. It was it was, it was my first you know, real money for acting. Real money and. Uh, uh, I was, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. I am one of my three biggest fans. I was terrible <laughs> on that show. I was horrible. I was embarrassing to, for anybody to watch. I was terrible. And why so? Uh, I was self-conscious, and also my, my strength as an actor is my preparation. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing about soaps is you get a script, you have to learn it right away, and then do it right away. There's no time for any prep. You just got to learn and go. And I'm a slow learner, and I like homework, and I had no time for either. So I was not good. I was very insecure, and I was young too. So I was, I was, I was not as brave as I've as I've become. Yeah. When we come back, we continue the conversation with Eric Roberts. The movie that's in theaters right now is called Never Saw It Coming. It is. Uh, a mystery, a thriller about violence, about deceit. I can't wait to talk about it. It's such I know. a good movie. It is. It's a really fun thing. And it is one of those things. You've played a lot of villains. And I'm trying not... I'm, this guy's not a villain. What? No, but, Don't get me wrong. This guy is not a villain. No, but... Not a bad guy. Yeah, what I was going to say about this. You've played a lot of villains. You know how audiences respond to people who play villains. In this movie, Emily Hampshire plays someone who could be a villain, but you end up rooting for her. I and know. that's And that's <laughs> the thing that makes this story so interesting. The film is called Never Saw It Coming. I'm in conversation with Eric Roberts. When we come back, I want to just touch on uh, a couple of other little things. Another world. I want to talk about why you say that soap opera acting is the hardest work for an actor on the planet. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm really thrilled to have in studio one of the stars of Never Saw It Coming. Eric Roberts joins us. Nice to see you. It's great to be here, dude. 
And, you know, this is a thriller. It is a mystery. It is a movie that takes you through a little journey with twists and turns that you will not see coming. It stars uh, Emily Hampshire, directed by Gail Harvey, based on a book by uh, Linwood Barkley, who's a friend of the show. Linwood's been here several times. and Emily and Gail are these two powerhouses mm-hmm. of talent. You know, Gail's a brilliant, brilliant writer-director. And uh, Emily is mind-blowing because when you meet her, she comes across like this very, you know, demure little waif. Yeah. She's a powerhouse. And she's a cool chick. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, from from Montreal, she does a lot of work. You've seen her in lots of things. Uh, but uh, Never Saw Coming is in theaters this weekend. And we'll talk all about that in just a, a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about Another World. So you call it the hardest work for an actor on the planet. Why is that? Well, when you watch soaps, you always make fun of them because they're not, you know, real. They're like mm-hmm. too dramatic or too whatever they they're are. They're heightened but, somehow. Yeah, but it's like it's like almost silly. It's so overdone. But the problem is this: you get your scripts, and in a matter of hours, you have to be on the floor, on the air. You have to have to be dressed. You have to be made up, and you have to be memorized. And you've got a matter of hours. And sometimes, I mean, that was an hour show. Mm-hmm. So you get 51 or two pages of dialogue, and you're in half of them if you're a lead. That's a lot of stuff to learn. Yep. And it's back and forth, so it's tons of dialogue. And uh, it's just hard to make real. And um, if you and it, it just, it just, as an actor, it always leaves you heartbroken. Mm-hmm. I didn't do my job well. And you just feel bad all the time, or at least I did. To give people an idea of how much 50 or 51 pages is, um, on a film set, that would that could take three weeks to shoot. Oh, sure. Or more. Sure. Well, it has changed, though. Yeah. With HD, they, uh, they uh, right. took it's our medium now. away. There's no film. Right. There's no filmmaking. There's no lighting. There's none of that anymore. They just... Pick a pick a pick up this little 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 still camera that uh, that uh, that uh, shoots video, yep. and they go, and uh, they don't light you anymore. They don't they don't, and they also hold the cameras low so everybody looks weird, <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's it's unfortunate. Well, they uh, they uh, took our medium away, and they gave us a lame medium in its place. Yeah, so it's so you do miss the the old school oh, yeah. film. I mean, look at film; mm-hmm. it takes you away. Yeah. HD, it's like you're. You're uh, you're uh, you're visiting your neighbor. Yeah, you know there yeah. there are movies when you see high def is HD if you don't know, and when you go see something, it almost looks like television to me because it is so crisply defined the images. Whereas when you see a film, I love the grain, the of texture, films, the texture, yeah. and you know a, a while ago we were kicking around the house, and I will watch The Godfather anytime it comes on television. Who won't, pal? Good so for you. I, I, I usually watch it up until, or I was saying, I'm going to watch it up until the. Uh, leave the gun, take the cannoli line. And I always blow past that and watch. end up watching the whole thing. But we're kicking around the house. We're watching it. And uh, my wife says, well, you know, it's playing around the corner. Like there's At a revival place around the corner. Let's go see it on the big screen. Flip off the TV. Ten minutes later, we're at the theater. Ten minutes after that, the movie starts. And it's a different experience. Watching it on I the know. big screen, is, you yeah. see the, the, the beauty of Marlon Brando's performance. You see different colors. I mean, the, the film just looks different. It's so beautiful. I'm with way. you totally, yeah. Uh, the uh, the three best movies made, in my opinion, well, Hal Ashby made some great movies, mm-hmm. like Harold and Maude, you know, yeah, being yeah. there, coming home. But 
the conversation, yep. Godfather one and Godfather two, and he Francis made those Ford in a Coppola. row. I oh know. my God! There's and there's they're unbelievable movies. Every one of them. the the uh, the conversation. The first time I saw that movie, and I am a crybaby, but. That movie ended, I bawled my eye understanding yep. the futility. I just got, oh my God. Well, and Gene Hackman, oh. one of the, I don't know if we can call oh. him underrated, but nobody uh, oh. uh, uh, these days puts him on the top of the list of screen actors. That guy in the 70s, unassailable. What happened was he made too many movies. Maybe. When you're like me and him and you make tons of movies, <laughs> you're not that special anymore to people. You're not, wow, you know, right. you know, like like Marlon Brando. And Michael Caine, too. Only made like 14 movies That's or right. something ridiculous. So he's very special. Michael Caine and me and yeah. him make a lot of movies. We make a lot of so movies. So we, we don't we don't we don't stand out as special anymore. We just we just we're just dependable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking with Eric Roberts. The movie is called Never Saw It Coming. It's in theaters right now. Uh, Christopher Nolan is another director that you've worked with, and I think that he's having a run uh, right now that is not unlike Coppola's run near the near the seventies into the eighties. This guy just seems to can't. It, it seems like he can't make a bad movie. He's a brilliant sweetie pie. Yeah, yeah, he's a lovely man. He's lovely to work for as an actor. He's awfully gentle. He's like, let's try this, right? All right, very nice, nice. All right, I'm gonna stop the coverage of his shirt on your face. Very nice, Eric. Good work. He's like well, that. It, he's well, it's just, funny he's because lovely. he's, he's lovely making guy. these giant movies. You're in uh, the Dark Knight, yeah. and and I mean, this is a big action movie, and he's speaking very softly. And I got to tell you a great story that. Uh, uh, 30 miles north of London is the old Zeppelin hangar. They closed it down in 1919 when they when they did away with the Zeppelin, and uh, it did away with itself, yeah. whatever. And uh, uh, and now you you walk into it. It's about three stories tall, about three you know football fields wide, and you walk into it, and it's all Gotham City. It wow. is so cool, man. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun to go there. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll talk uh, a little bit more about that. I want to find out in the next segment. I want to talk to you a little bit about working with Heath Ledger. I'm going yeah. to throw some names at you if you if you're if you don't mind. I want to talk about working with Heath Ledger. I want to talk about working with Sterling Hayden on King of the oh, Gypsies. Oh, that's one of my favorite. I know, stories. and you know, and he was another actor in The Godfather too. He's uh-huh. another actor um, who, again, a genius that I'm not sure ever really got his due. He was, you know, uh, so dependable. Uh, but uh, and and so great and and I think and you can confirm this for me uh, when we come back maybe just a little bit on the eccentric side a little hair on the eccentric side that's what I've heard about him so a little bit a little bit so when we come back we're going to continue the conversation with Eric Roberts uh, he's in a new movie that's opening in theaters in Canada right now it's called Never Saw It Coming it's based on a novel by Linwood Barkley directed by Gail Harvey uh, it stars Emily Hampshire you know her from 12 Monkeys and and Shit's Creek and lots of other things uh, this is uh, a thriller with twists and turns that you won't see coming. You'll want to stick around for the next part of my conversation with Eric Roberts. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. Eric Roberts is my guest in studio. The new film is called Never Saw It Coming, based on a novel by Linwood Barkley. It's a thriller. There's lots of twists and turns here. And, you know, talking about this movie, I have to be careful not to give anything away because it is so tightly constructed that I'm afraid I'm going to give a hint of something that happens in this movie that will reveal something else that I don't want to do. So uh, it's a little bit of a movie making masterpiece. Yeah, it's so really ha- wonderful what she did. Uh, and uh, 
I, I, I can't wait to talk about this. I play a guy, my favorite kind of role to play. Not a bad guy, mm-hmm. not a good guy, just a guy. Right. And uh, he, he's in a terrible circumstance, and he has to work it out. And the way to work it out is not what you call copacetic or even legal. Or conventional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as unconventional as you can get. But he does it to help someone, right. his daughter. And uh, we all would bend over backwards for our blood. There's no doubt about it. And what he does is not above or out of reach of any one of us. Mm-hmm. And he does it. And uh, it only causes everybody an issue. But, but only because... He- He's paranoid, yeah. <laughs> but it's unfortunate. Yeah, and we and and we. I don't think we can really give away anything more than that because it is for me the key of the movie. It's the hinge where everything changes in the movie. It's so tight. Yeah, and it's so so tight. And, and so it's a tough one to talk about, but it's yeah. based on a best-selling novel. Never saw it coming. Uh, Linwood Barkley, if you don't know, was. Uh, uh, a columnist here for many years, tell, uh, a, a newspaper columnist, who said, you know what, I'm going to give this book writing thing a try. And he writes one book, and I, I don't think the first book was successful. The second one hit the bestseller charts all over the world. All and right. he, Stephen, King, Stephen King is a fan. This guy is is uh, someone who you've got some reading to do, Mr. Roberts. I know. You have some told. reading to do. Uh, And the movie, Never Saw It Coming, is in theaters uh, right now. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. I have to ask you about Sterling Hayden. Uh, You starred opposite him in King of the Gypsies. The year was 1978. One of my favorite people I've ever worked with or ever will probably, Sterling Hayden. I had been shooting for three weeks. It was his first day, and it was my first night shoot. Mm. Uh, I came I came to work at about 5 o'clock, went to shoot about 7.30, and I'm in my trailer, and I get a knock on the door the, from, the, from the second AD who said, Mr. Hayden would like to talk to you. Wow, cool, yeah. I can't wait, okay. I throw my costume, I go over to his trailer, I knock on the door, come in, had this really deep, rough voice, come in. So I go in there. It, it It's, you can't even even see across the trailer it's so smoky in there of hashish smoke <laughs> and i recognize it of course and he says have a seat young man and i do and he says and he's smoking a pipe do you get high <laughs> and i said i have been known to he said well let's get high i said i can't get high in work why not i said because i don't talk well when i'm high he goes, well i do so i'm gonna keep smoking so what are we shooting tonight I said, scene 87, I know the number. What the hell happens? I said, well, kind of a pivotal scene, and blah, 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 and tell him the whole story. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, wow, it is a big deal. Okay, kind of a serious. I thought it was going to be an easy first day. This is kind of tough. Okay, uh, how are you in improvisation, young man? I said, I'm okay with it, because that's what we're doing, all right? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the set. And we blew Frank Pierce's mind, the uh, the Academy Award-winning writer-director. We blew his mind because Sterling launches off into what Sterling launches off into. And I stayed with him. And we just talked forever <laughs> while they reloaded film and shot more and shot more. And we just shot all night long stuff that had nothing to do with the story whatsoever. But but he was so brilliant. Mm. And Frank, Frank, Frank Pearson loved his work so much, me too, yeah. that we just rolled with him and uh, he was memorable and uh, he he and I found out that we were neighbors up in up in New Connecticut oh wow 
So we, uh, the, the one thing we had in common, we both liked to go grocery shopping. So we would go together. <laughs> That's not what I would have imagined you were going to say. I know. <laughs> we were both, well, what, what we would do is we would smoke a little hash right. and then go grocery shopping. <laughs> And uh, you always fill up the cart that way. (laughs) (laughs) And besides that, what did you learn from him? Because he had been around for a long time. He was not new to the business in 1970. He'd been making movies for 30 years. Yeah, he had already been a huge movie star. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Who's who's a great great director we just lost from uh, 2001? Space Oh, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. He did did Stanley's last new movie that he wrote. Right. and uh, did not direct. Yeah, and uh, th- that was um, the killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable performance. Unbelievable movie. Anyway, what was I saying about Sterling? Well, just in what I, I asked, what did you learn from him? Oh yeah, here's what I learned from Sterling very quickly in my first film: don't take yourself or what people think of you seriously, mm. especially in show business. People will tell you you poo-poo ice cream. Yeah, yeah. I said you can't believe that. And they will tell you that every day. And you will believe it some days because, you know, some days you go, yeah, that was good. <laughs> but you have to remember it's not true. And I was like, okay. But then each day I'd realize more and more how right he was and how if you, if you take care of yourself that way, you won't become an a-hole because actors do because they, uh, they, they, uh, they believe they're press and they believe they're fans. They can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in conversation with Eric Roberts. The new film is called Never Saw It Coming. You also said about that film, I learned everything not to do on a movie set from Shelley Winters. Yeah, Shelley was a bad girl. (laughs) (laughs) Shelley would show up late. Yeah. Shelley would show up unmemorized. Shelley would show up just just because, oh, well... They called me, so yeah. I'm here. After two Academy Awards. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, after two Academy Awards. Right? <laughs> but she was so smart mm. and so witty and so much fun. And uh, she uh, she uh, she flirted with me after we'd known each other for about a week. She said to me one day, God, if I were 30 years younger, we'd be rocking your trailer right now. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, wow, baby, that's something. <laughs> she was cool, man. She was really cool. You know, we you talked about earlier how being a movie star is one of the three greatest jobs you can have. You talk about Sterling Hayden and the the advice that he gave you, which is don't believe the hype, don't believe right. the press. Right. Um, you had some trouble though around this time, around Star Eighty, around this time, uh, of of letting it get inside your head. Did you know from from what I'm reading here? No, that's 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 a writer's interpretation. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was I was very good at a movie called Star Eighty. Yeah, and I played a guy who was very unsavory. Yeah, and this is a, one of the great performances of that decade. I have to that tell you, so Paul nice Schneider. To say to Paul me, Schneider, pal. you as Paul Schneider in Star Eighty, working with Bob Fosse, an unbelievable performance. It was a very hard job, mm-hmm. and because uh, those those kind of jobs are not fun. Yeah. And uh, but he was a hero of mine, Bob Fosse. Bob Fosse and Hal Ashby were my heroes, yep. and uh, I only got to work with one of them. And and uh, but uh, well, Hal died young. Hal Ashby died young. Well, yes. Hal Ashby did way too many drugs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and what a freaking genius mm-hmm. who would do too many drugs. Stop it, Hal! Stop! <laughs> oh my God! But uh, what was I saying? Bob Fosse. 
Paul Schneider and and just the idea that that oh, playing I, an unsavory character. I got the most personal direction I've ever gotten from anybody, bar none, from Bob Fosse. One day, I'm I'm like I'm doing a scene which didn't end up in the movie, where I'm in my underwear playing the guitar, and I messed up the song I was playing. So I said, "Cut." You don't say "cut" on a Bob Fosse set unless you're Bob Fosse. Right. So he says to me, "Come with me. Come here." And he walks across a huge stage of Zoetrope, the the uh, the uh, the great big stage. Walks yep. the other end of it away from the crew. I'm in my underwear. I follow him over there. Yes, look at me. He says, "I'm looking at you." No, look at me. I'm looking at you. He said, "Listen, you're playing me. If I weren't successful, do you understand?" Wow. So on the way back to the set, I looked at how he walked, and I adapted that walk. I did every. I just played Bob Bossy, and that's what that character is. He. That's why I think he's a little bit understandable, and a tiny bit likable, right. because you see hope in him, but he messes it up. Mm-hmm. He destroys it because of his ego and his insecurity. Ego, you know, comes out of insecurity yep. usually. You never know, but but uh, but you know, he screwed it up. But. Bob Fosse gave me that personal direction, and I had that role in the palm of my hand from that day on because I spent a lot of time with him. Mm-hmm. I knew who I was talking to. And, um, yeah, boy, I would hate to be a woman around him. I'm speaking with Eric Roberts. The new film is called Never Saw It Coming. We'll be back with one more segment. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. I am in conversation with Eric Roberts. Uh, the new film is called Never Saw It Coming. We were just talking about playing Paul Schneider in Star 80. I've never heard that Bob Fosse story before. Yeah. That's a great story. Thanks so much for that. Let's talk about Never Saw It Coming. Let's talk about the character that you play. I was saying earlier, and I, I, I stand by this, I'm having a hard time talking about this movie because it's a thriller. There are twists. There are turns. And it's hard to not give away things and they're so tight and they're so tight so um you can tell me about the character and if you give anything away that's on you well i will i will tell you as an actor why i love this role and as an actor we get these opportunities very seldom and what it is is you play a person who is not either extreme bad Mm -hmm. good special unspecial he just is and he's put in extraordinary circumstance and he has to has to have extraordinary behavior to overcome the circumstance. Right. Sometimes it is bad extraordinary behavior, but he has no choice. Well, that's what happens here. He feels he has no choice. We all have choices, but he feels he has no choice but to do what he does. And uh, it's he gets lost, and he becomes a guy that when you hear what he did, you don't like him. Mm-hmm. But he's a good guy. And it, it's so it's so hard to watch. Oh my God! Because we all understand, you know, it, 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 what's that expression? There, but by the grace of God, go yep. I. There, but by the grace of God, goes anybody. <laughs> I mean, it could happen. It could really happen. And it's really fun to watch. And we see this in the movie. There's a scene in the film between you and Emily Hampshire, who plays a. And this doesn't give anything away. She plays a psychic, who is a fraud. She gives away information, not gives away. She goes to families who are missing children or, or are missing a family member and says, I can help you. But she, uh, she reads the obits. Yeah, 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 she reads the obits. And sometimes she she's not above constructing a disappearance as well to, to make some money off a family. So she's not a really lovely character, except 
by the end of this film, you're kind of rooting for her. And I think it's because she's a human character. She's actually the uh, the bad guy in this movie. She is. But her circumstances make her a victim. Well, that's the thing. She's pushed toward doing things. Uh, now, I mean, listen, there's pivots in everyone's life where you make choices. You go left or you go right. There you, you take go. the good true, or the true, bad. True. And so she true. And she has taken the bad course in life but she's doing it to feed a kid to keep a roof over her head surviving she's, yeah, she's, she's surviving. surviving yeah she's actually in her own right she's the kind of woman that eric roberts would like as a person yeah you, you know because she she's she's tough she's smart she's a little bit desperate so she'll do pretty much anything to uh, to get the job done to get the job done. and that's those are all the qualities I like in people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned that. We just did, and extrapolating on that, you know, there's a, a hint of desperation and do the job. And uh, living in Los Angeles, when you lived in Los Angeles, you must have met a hundred of those because that city. Every time I go there for work, I I, I end up meeting someone who hasn't made it yet, but would do anything to oh, make it. Oh, it's a sad place for it, that. It is a sad place. There's for a that. lot of that, mm-hmm. and you know, um, Middle America, Idaho, whatever. Yeah. You know, they think if I arrive and somebody sees me, it'll work out. That's not how it works at all. And we've all heard the story about the drugstore. You know, you should be in movies. Yeah, Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly they are. (laughs) But that's not how it's ever worked and ever will. And uh, what you have to remember about the industry, it's the most personal industry on the planet. So, but relationships? uh, About even working. Mm. If they like you, the industry people, you will work more. So you have to go to work and treating everybody from the coffee boy to right. the producer as if they're they're going to rule your life next week because they might. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so quite frankly, you have to act like it all day, every day. You must have been nice to a lot of people because you work all the time. I am one of the luckiest people, period, yeah. I've ever known. <laughs> and, and, and what is it about? I mean, because, you know, at, at, at a certain stage, some people go, you know what? I've proven myself. I've done the thing I wanted to do. I've got an Academy Award nomination, Golden Gloves, all that stuff. And, and I don't need to make, you know, eight movies a year. I think so many people are inviting me to it to be in their movies worldwide yeah. now because I have proven myself. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, hire Eric. Yeah, yeah. you want to see a good performance? Hire Eric. Yeah, yeah. And so. I think that's what's going on, and it makes me so happy and so humble. And and has the process changed for you? Oh, my God. The process is completely different. I interrupted you because, yeah. oh, my God, they took our film medium away. Yeah. It's gone. Now they have a medium called HD well, that they don't light. Yeah. They don't take care of. They don't have to have to color coordinate. They just shoot it. It's like home movies, and it looks like home movies. It, lo- it looks like you're at your at your next-door neighbor's house. But I was thinking, but your process as an actor, has that changed? The it's faster thing, now. The you... only thing that hasn't changed is um, the homework is the same. You go home, right. you sit at your desk, you read it once for or for pleasure, and then you dig in. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, uh, so, uh, so that hasn't changed. But the actual shooting, the, uh, the time involved, the approach— Everything else has changed. The uh, the people behind the cameras now are all under 30, and they hold the cameras at their hips because it's more comfortable. Right. And it's like, no, put that thing on your shoulder so I look better. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm more comfortable here. Yeah. So Never shoot from below. Yeah. Never, ever. But yeah. 
but they literally hold the cameras at their hips because it's more comfortable, yeah. simple. And so, so like, so like movie making as an art is gone. It's a job now. I love it. I have fun because I'm an actor. Yeah. But if I were if I were a cameraman, I'd be really disappointed. I'd be really disappointed that the era is gone. And it is. Yeah. And it ain't coming back. No. Yeah. Well, it's expensive. Right, yeah. that's the thing. It's that's, expensive. Well, and Chris Nolan likes shooting on film, but you know, when you have a so bunch does, of hits in a row, you get you get to do that. So does so does Sly Stallone, and so does uh, right. does uh, does P.T. Anderson. Yeah, and but, Tarantino. Uh, but uh, and and yeah. Tarantino. But but look who we're talking yeah, about. I, know. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, those yeah. guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, in conversation with Eric Roberts, the new film is called Never Saw It Coming. It's in theaters right now. It's a thriller. There's loads of twists and turns written uh, by, uh, I would say, hometown boy, but he, he lives close to Toronto. Close uh, enough. He's close Canadian. enough. He's Canadian. Uh, Linwood Barkley. Um, I have, in, in the closing minutes here, I just have to ask you about playing Polly in the Pope Greenwich Village. I got a great story for you, pal. Charlie, they took my thumb. So I got offered that role in January of that year. I said yes by Valentine's Day. I was up, I was up in Hartford doing a play. I said yes by Valentine's Day. Now, I had just done Star 80, but it was in the can. Right. It, w- it wasn't out yet. So they said, which role do you want to play, Paulie or Charlie? I said, well, then let me read it. I'll decide. So I took almost a whole month, and I came back to to, to them in uh, on the Valentine's Day and said, I, I want to play Paulie. They said, we want you to play Charlie. I said, why? I said, because he's more of a leading man type, blah, right. blah. I wanted you to play him. I said, nah, the... Other roles a better role. By the way, I told both both the producers, I'm not going to play it as it's written. I'm use all the dialogue as written, but I'm not going to play him as written as as uh, described. They said, whatever you want to do, because we hired you because we love you as an actor. Right. Okay, great. So instead of playing this you know big tough thug, which he was, who was dumb, I played a guy who wants to be a tough guy, but is not. He's right. a mama's boy, but he wants to be a tough guy, but he's not. Much more fun to watch. Also, much more of a dichotomy from uh, from Charlie. Yeah. So uh, I show up after losing you know, 30 pounds, after after perming my hair over eight months, I show up ready to rehearse. After the third rehearsal, the then director asked me to stay after, and he says, why are you so skinny? I said, I want to be a walking spaz attack. He goes, uh, why'd you perm your hair? I said, same thing, walking spaz attack. He goes, what the F is a walking uh, spaz attack? <laughs> I said, it's John Belushi, only skinny. He goes, no, this guy's a tough thug. I said, I'm not playing that. He goes, well, you should. I said, I'm not going to. He said, I would like you to resign. I said, well, let me think about it. I'll go back to you. I was going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, let me think about it. I'll go back to you. I go up to uh, to Mickey's room. Mickey Rourke, we're talking about your co-star who played Charlie. Mickey Rourke. I said, Mickey, the uh, the director asked me to resign. He goes, what? (laughs) So we called the producers. And we told them the story, and they fired that director, and they brought in Stuart <laughs> Rosenberg, who directed a great yeah. movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God, what a great film he made. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so that's the, uh, the, uh, the Pope story. And it's a fantastic movie. This is a fantastic movie. And the thing that's cool— Thanks, Stuart Rosenberg, for that. Well, when you, are, when, when you were making these movies, after their natural lifespan in the theater, because a movie like that could play in theaters for a year, probably back in those days, or, or close to it. All summer. All, all summer, yeah. you know. Uh, and then maybe they'd go to TV, you'd see them every now and again. It was before DVD, it was before videotape. They'd play at a revival house every now and again. But now there's an archive, man. Now you can go back and look at those movies and see 
you know, the, 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 the choices. And for someone, a film geek like myself, to be able to look back at a film like that now and watch it carefully uh, is, is well, such actually, a treat. The, the whole video world has, has, uh, has really gone through an evolution because at first, when you're moving from straight to video back in 1976, mm-hmm. 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, it was because it was a failure yeah. because they kept it off video That's if right. it was a big hit. Because they wanted, you know, p- p- people paying a bigger money for it than yeah, it had yeah. been a video rental, so so it was so it's it's uh, gone through an evolution, where where uh, where now we make we make we we make movies to advertise it as a video. That's, That's right. why I make the movie, yeah. and so it's a completely different world now. But back then, when your movie went straight to video, man, it was humiliating. Yeah. It was like wow, but that's how it got seen. Yeah. And a lot of people saw my movies. A lot of people saw your movies and will continue to. I've been in conversation with Eric Roberts. Never Saw It Coming is in theaters this weekend. I wish I could tell you more. I will tell you this. It's a thriller. Uh, it, there's murder. There's mayhem. There's a con job or two. Uh, there's Emily Hampshire. And, of course, there's been my guest, Eric Roberts. Thank you so much for uh, stopping by and spending some time with us. You're great, dude. Thank you. What a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>